it's been very, very powerful sharing my story and, and hearing from others. Um, and I actually am, I, I've been surprised at how uh, much more strength and power I feel when people come forward to share their stories as well. Because um, like I was telling you guys before our interview, uh, a local newspaper did a, a story on me. And so I showed up at, at yoga and uh, one of my yoga friends has said, oh, can I hug a celebrity? And this lady's like, a celebrity, huh? Woo, what? And I kind of chuckled and this lady had never spoken to me at yoga before. Um, and then suddenly she's telling me her story. And I still to this day don't even know her name, but that could have been the first time that she ever said anything. And I, I found um, the more I shared my story, the more there was, there was like growth that happened from it, right? And, uh, and it, it's a hard subject to talk about. I realize that. And so um, I've even had friends who have come up to me and said, oh, Laura, you know, you're so powerful. Let me know if there's anything that I can do. And I said, you know what you can do? Share my story. Welcome to the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. We are Jess and BJ, and we're waking up and shaking up the world of endurance sports by shining a light on the deeper truths and meaning behind our love for sport. You guys are enjoying this uninterrupted commercial-free stream of joy on account of our generous Patreon supporters. We are so grateful for their desire to make a statement. There is something really special happening here. And if it's on your heart to learn more, then check out patreon.com forward slash yogi triathlete. Today, we feel blessed to introduce Laura Townsend to our community. Laura is a mother of five, an ultra runner, and she has a goal to complete 50 ultras before the time she is 50. She is currently well over 400 days into a running streak and is the race director of Survivor Fest, which is a 24-hour running event that raises money for the Saffron Center, a sexual assault support center in Alberta, Canada. A survivor of sexual abuse herself, Laura no doubt is living her purpose as she no longer carries the burden of her secrets, but is successfully transmuting evil into goodness through sharing her story and being in service of others who have walked the same dark path. We are honored that she is with us today and excited to dig into this meaningful and inspirational story. Laura, welcome to the show. Oh, wow. Thank you so much. What an intro. Oh, like I said uh, earlier, I am so excited to be here. Um, I still can't believe that you guys reached out after I reached out to you to share my story because uh, I, I love listening to your guys' podcast. Um, I'm not doing triathlon anymore, but I did do triathlon. Um, uh, oh, I think. I was doing it when the ki- when I had four, and I actually completed. <laughs> I know four kids, right? And I actually completed my half Ironman, my first one. I was so excited that I signed up for the for the next the the one the next year because they they um, they always seem to set it up so that you can get that early bird special and you're all pumped on adrenaline and you're like, yeah, I'm totally gonna do it next year. I didn't realize I was six weeks pregnant with number five. <laughs> so I had to contact the race director and say, uh, hey, Michael Brown, do you think that you could uh, delay my next one? And so sure enough, I, my, I did my second half Ironman with five kids under the age of nine. <laughs> I still can't believe it. I mean, one of, the, one of the reasons I love your story is because, listen up, people, no excuses. Like, you don't <laughs> yeah. leave any of us with any excuse. Um, I've also heard that you do, like, pretty much all of your runs outside. And, like, maybe one day when it was negative 45 degrees, you did a workout inside. Like yeah. cr- that's crazy. I, that's, I mean, of course, here I am in a tank top, right? Um <laughs> <laughs> and I'm wearing a woolly hat and a, and a hoodie because I just returned back from my run and 
well, minus 17. I'm not sure what that is in, uh, oh my God. in Fahrenheit. <laughs> it's cold. It's cold. What is, BJ's yeah. doing conversions. Yeah. We're, getting on the go- we're getting on the Googles. I had icicles mm. in my eyelashes. <laughs> so are you on the trails at this time of year? There's still trails available, um, like packed snow, or are you mm-hmm. on the road? Yeah, so uh, I've got a little bit of a... Did you figure it out, BJ? Yeah, do you, I, could I you tell I, by his face? <laughs> 1.4 degree Fahrenheit. <laughs> oh my. We, should, we should mention, Laura, that you are in Canada. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> That's why when you guys had, um, actually, when you guys had uh, Paula on, Padla, mm. uh, Paula Finley, I'm a huge fan of hers because she's from Edmonton and she was doing triathlon when I was doing, when I was just, uh, um, yeah, doing my half Ironman. So she was a huge inspiration. And Do so, you remember like when she, were you just going to say the same thing, Beach? Do you remember when she was younger and like heading to the oh, Olympics? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was such a, yeah. ended up being such a woo, intense time well, for her and her um, life. I was actually instructing a uh, running clinic at the time. And there was a woman in my clinic who was close friends with Paula. Her son and Paula grew up together and did swimming together. And so she told me about Paula. And then, yeah, then I was like totally hooked in and watched her. And of course, when she when she continued on through the Olympics and came in last, like despite, I was, that it just made me a huger, like just huge fan. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I've been watching her and I was super excited when she won the Daytona and, um, yeah, even in the ultra world, when uh, I hear of triathletes coming in, like, I don't know if you guys know Elsa McDonald, but she yeah. does more of the uh, Ironman distances. She's not on the podium, but super strong. And she's um, come into the ultra world or ultra running world, and she's won races outright, like even beating the guys. And um, her first ultra she won sinister seven and yeah beat all the guys i think she even beat the guys by over an hour she's just so tough so tough and so i think um as the ultra running um marathons are becoming more and more competitive um i think that um the science that comes with triathlon with eating uh resting uh, just everything comes into play to make it an even more competitive sport. So, anyways, enough enough about Elsa <laughs> and all you triathletes. <laughs> well, the, I think the logistics, <laughs> the logistics of a triathlon are like level uh, levels ahead of what ultra races are. Like, oh yeah, what they yeah. have to do to get it organized. And mm-hmm. so, I think that's why a lot of you know triathletes are moving that way. They have the endurance mentality. They have that mindset, and they're already runners. It's just mm-hmm. <clears throat> tuning mm-hmm. that into something with a little less rigidity. And a little bit more um, uh, freedom, I would say. Yeah, yeah. But I do miss the cross-training from triathlon. Mm. Uh, The only reason, like, I enjoyed it. It was just uh, with the kids and the timing, right? Like, getting to the pool, getting the the rides in. Even uh, that one year, the last half Ironman I did, I, I was coaching my girls lacrosse team, and I remember there was... Uh, we were in a um, lacrosse tournament, and I actually biked from one arena to another. Like it was a 90-kilometer bike ride, and I and I just so I basically coached that game. Uh, had the bike in the van, and I said, "Okay, hun, I'm going to meet you at the next arena," and biked to the arena. <laughs> Got there. Yeah, and uh, and then went on, got into the dressing room and was like, "Okay, girls, let's go." You know, like, and then, um, and then I'm breastfeeding. You know, at the end of the game, like it was just like, and I think back and I'm like, "How did I do that?" Like, yeah, but you know what? I I do that. I think but, that, you know, Iron, like half Iron Man and, you know, in, in full Iron Man, they've become so normalized, which I think is great because so many people, they've really made it accessible for anyone to register. And, and I think that, 
you know, people have their opinions about that. Like, you know, you, you shouldn't be able to, you know, enter an Ironman if you can't do a mass swim and blah, blah, blah. And for me, it's all about inclusivity. But the thing is that has never changed about those distances. And same thing with ultra is that it keeps you honest. And what you did is what it takes. It's what, yeah. I mean, how many times BJ and I have like run to a race, done the race, run home, gotten on the <laughs> bike, re, you know, recovered on a, a swim. It's just, it's a lifestyle. And I think that once we start to hit like that ultra marathon distance, it really is, it becomes our lifestyle. But what I think is so interesting about your journey to running is that you actually didn't even really like running when you started <gasps> running. So what brought you to running? Um, so yeah, like you were saying, I always hated running. I was always active as a kid. I grew up on a farm, rode horses. Um, I played in the school sports teams, but, and I was always good enough to get on the teams, but, um, never the superstar player, but, uh, always, always hated when the coach would say, okay, kids, let's do some laps before practice. And I just always think to myself, why? We're going to be running all through practice. Why do we have to do laps? <laughs> but, um, and then when I was in my mid-20s, I took a, a running clinic out of a store um, to relieve stress and um, help with a little bit of weight loss. But I, And I got up to 10 kilometers, but I still really didn't like it. Um, it. It was more of a chore. And then my, I don't know if I told you guys this, but uh, my husband and I had triplets. And uh, so when we were pregnant with triplets, I decided, well, we both decided that we would pick one thing that was outside of our relationship and outside of work. And I still, to this day, um, don't understand why I even picked running because I still hated it at that point. And so when the, six, uh, the girls were six months old, um, I got angry at my husband. I'm still not super proud of it, but I was like, fine, I'm going to take this running clinic. And uh, so I ended up uh, going back to that running store and joining um, the clinic. And so I, it, it was a learn to run clinic. So I started right from the bottom again. And then I took the, the I just kept taking them and then uh, actually completed my first half marathon when the girls were just over one. And that was just training on two to three days a week. I remember coming to the clinic, telling the instructor, uh, Don, who has become a really great friend and mentor to me. In fact, he always gets a little upset when I call him my mentor. But uh, I remember coming to the running store and telling them, oh my God, I've only gotten two runs in this week in fact the last time I was outside was when I was here um and he just was very reassuring and would say don't worry you're cross training with taking after three babies and you know with the sleep deprivation and everything else and so that so I just continued on and so my first half marathon uh I did it in two and a half hours um but I think because I didn't do that much running and the sleep was an issue, so I wasn't recovering fully, I think it kept me pretty injury free. Yeah. Which and keeps so, you out there keeps you out there yeah. mo- which keeps you out there moving. What did you yeah. what did you dislike the most about the running? Like what can you can you pinpoint like you what No, I, I can't I, I still don't really know, but I do know that when, um, so with this, what changed was I met another mom and her and I were at that same speed level. We were at the very back of the pack. Um, our instructor would come back Dawn, and he, he'd say, how are you girls doing? And we'd just be plowing along, chit-chatting about kids and family and, uh, being a mom, uh, she had five kids, and so we just had a lot in common. And it just it ended up being a two for one deal for me. I would get my social time, and I'd get outside and be active. Um, yeah, and so we just formed a really great friendship. And then, as you know, when you're around other athletes, you complete something, and then it's like, oh, 
what's next? What else can I do? Or you're inspired, right? Um, our instructor, Don, my friend, was um, training for Ironmans and doing ultra runs. And so was a few other people in the clinic. And so we would overhear and be inspired and think, oh, my God, that's crazy. And they'd say, oh, if we can do it, you can do it. And, you know, initially you're thinking, no way, no way. I, I've done a half marathon. That's good. But then you start thinking, well, maybe, maybe, right? So, and that's kind of where it all began is just the support from the other people and the inspiration and it's uh yeah it's been amazing when did you fall in love with running <sighs> that's a hard one um it, it you know during those clinics it just changed completely for me um about 11 years ago uh we moved out of the city of Edmonton to um, a suburb called Sherwood Park. And um, I it's about a half hour drive from Edmonton. And so in order for me to continue running with that group of people, I would have had to drive 30 minutes. And so it started to become a little like, well, I'm, I'm driving for 30 minutes. I'm and only running for maybe 30 to 45 minutes, and then I'm driving for another 30 minutes. So then I started thinking about, okay, maybe it's time for me to start running on my own. And so that's, I think once I got over that, I guess, mindset of not socializing and chatting the whole time through run, I was like, okay, I can do this on my own. And I would get through two or three runs on my own and then always have like a group run on Saturday or Sunday. And uh, yeah, and then it's just, I, I've, I've, I look back on it and it's really all about layers. Like, um, yeah, getting up to that distance and then the layer of embracing the run by yourself and being okay with that. And then the next layer of like now during COVID, um, running completely on my own. Um, yeah, and it's it's all been layers for sure. And, and you can see how all those layers, how life unfolds opportunities for you, even though they come to you as challenges or like a wall right. that you have to get yeah. over. Yeah. But if you can just trust, if you can just trust oh, yeah. life and that, I, you know, one of my favorite things to say is, you know, to myself, I say this to myself, like life loves you. And if you can just trust that life loves you, even though it may feel challenging in the moment, it's, it's sending you in the right direction. It's guiding you in the right direction. And so much, I know Beej and I, so much of what we have traversed uh, as individuals, as a couple, as entrepreneurs, as athletes, like, you know, when this whole thing started to go down in 2020, we just looked at each other and we were like, we are, like, we're pandemic proof. Like, we are so, everything <laughs> has led us up to this. Now it's time to thrive. Like, for yeah. us, 2020 was like, let's thrive. And thriving means you're going to expand, which means you're going to receive more challenges, right? Mm -hmm. But you got to be oh, willing yeah. to, I love that idea of layers, right? Like it's, it's the layers that, um, that prepare you for what's next. And at the same time, that shed you of what you no longer need, mm -hmm. what you've outgrown. Yeah. Yeah. Like even as you're talking about layers, I'm thinking, yeah, I went from running two to three times a week to three to four times a week. And then as the, as the kids have gotten older, you know, five. And then it was actually uh, not last November, but the November before where there was, I was just starting heart rate training and I found that so frustrating <laughs> because I was like, <laughs> what? I can run walk? 50K, <laughs> but my heart rate is not, you know, Sounds like you were training, this, this, training in the gray this, zone. You know, this, this, where I'm supposed to have it. Mm -hmm. I remember going to my coach and being like, 
at, at first he was like, here's what we want to do next. And I'm like, okay, sure. And then I go up for my first run. I hardly even ran. I was walking most of the time. And so a couple days later, I'm like, right? Like, but that, uh, so then I started the run streak thinking, okay, if I'm running more consistently and more often, maybe that'll train my heart rate, you know, more, more efficiently. But then, um, what I this heart rate training was really a game changer, life changer, really, because it, um, it's made me slow down. So, um, that ego that wants to like, no, I should be doing this run, you know, at this pace and I, you know, 10 K under an hour and that sort of mentality, it just, there's, there's, that's not happening when you're heart rate training. And so it's really slowed me down. It's made me sleep way better. And, uh, it's, it's been a real life changer for me for sure. So I'm not super fast, just like I've always been. I'm, I'm just really steady and strong and get it done. So, so, so far but, we've yeah. seen, we've, we've seen two things, the running and this heart rate training, which are like extreme examples of, of opportunities for resistance. Cause you just don't like, you just don't like it. Like you don't understand. And, <laughs> and I want to point out, you know, um, that's where most people stop. They will stop right there because it's, it's, the resistance is so strong and they're just tied to their belief system like it has to be a certain way. Yes. But you've sort of, like Jess was talking about, these brick walls are showing themselves and you're like, well, okay, well, here's, here's a big brick wall. There's got to be something to it. You know, I'm, it's in my awareness and, and I'll figure it out eventually. Um, can you, can you share with, um, share with our audience like how extreme that um, the resistance was when you had the heart rate training and you had to walk and now where you're at now like I think you have a running streak um, over 400 days is that true yeah I'm um, yet yeah, this morning was 459 <laughs> with no like, injury I can't believe it. oh my god you're like yeah. BJ's dream consistency <laughs> <laughs> he dreams about athletes being consistent <laughs> crazy dream. You, you might have taken oh. consistency to the extreme, but that's okay. But I love that. So consistent. I mean, that's what I'm getting at is that consistency. Like you, you've, you've turned the corner where you're like, okay, well, I resisted as most people do when they're told to slow down. But there's a, yeah. there's a deeper meaning to it. And there's a, 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 a wider, expansive area for joy and happiness at the end. And I think you're, ex well, I know you're probably experiencing it right now in yeah. the street. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, like I, I feel stronger and uh, in um, spiritually, physically, mentally. Um, and if you would have told me this at the beginning, like that's why I say it, it really was a life changer. And I've gone back to my coach and I've said, said the same thing to him. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's been amazing. And it really, I don't know. I wish I could answer the, your question. <laughs> <laughs> with more clarity <laughs> but but I'll, I'll I'll remember it and I'll have to come back to you after a really long run <laughs> well I think yeah. what you know these like we're we're asking to dial in on like a specific moment mm -hmm. but I think what you're living and what your story is showing us is really what we we live ourselves is a little bit every day over a long period of time and like the layers and it's, you know, it's, it's, um, this whole life is a net gain. Like we're always, there's going to, if you look at that course map of an ultra, you're going to see peaks and valleys all over the place, but you don't mm -hmm. go, Oh, peaks and valleys. I can't sign oh, up. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. you go, yeah. no, no. What's the gain? Oh, the gain is 5,000 feet. Awesome. I can do 5,000 feet. Like we're always moving in this trajectory of a net gain, right? Life loves us. We're, mm -hmm. we're not, we're not going to, we're going to go down into the valley, but we're going to climb an even higher peak on the, you know, when mm -hmm. we, when we realize mm -hmm. that it's only us that's mm -hmm. going to get up and get back on the trail. Yeah. And I, and I do like, you know, I have crappy runs. I have still, there are some days when I go out and I'm like, what? <laughs> I still am this slow or I'm still taking a walk break. Like there was one day you know, where I'm checking my watch and I'm like, what? I'm still running and it's 
15 minutes later and I haven't had to walk to bring my heart rate down. And then another day I'll head out and five minutes in, all of a sudden my watch is vibrating and I'm like, what? But I slept great last night. What the heck is going on? Right. But it's, um, it's been, it's, it's really, really interesting. Um, yeah, it's been a, a great, um, training tool and and i can remember uh listening to other podcasts where other athletes would talk about heart rate training and how frustrated they would get and i'd be like okay okay i'm not alone i'm not alone in feeling this frustration and and i think that's like helped to to um let me see what was going to happen in the end i i uh use Mark Allen as a huge example. I think it was Mark Allen, right? Who uh, won all the Ironmans and he's, um, he hasn't had any hip surgeries, any shoulder uh, surgeries, no surgeries, where there's other Ironman athletes who have had to um, have surgeries because they trained so hard, right? And so I think of him and think of I think it's Rich Roll too, who's a huge advocate of heart rate training, and he'll tell stories about how um, humiliating it can be when you're walking up a hill, <laughs> and you're like, "What? How? How? How can you know?" But yeah, and that happened to me this morning actually, where I was run- walking up a hill, and this runner comes running past me, and I'm like, "Oh, oh!" And and you almost like I almost wanted to yell at them. You know, I've done 35 ultras and, or 34 ultras, and and I I can <laughs> I'm a lot stronger than I look. I know, isn't that? And that's that ego, like trying to yeah. always oh, self preserve. Totally. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. So okay. So you didn't like running. Uh. Now you're on like day 400. Today was what 459 days yeah. of running straight. <laughs> so and let's talk about the other awesome thing that you've got in your mind's eye, which is running 50 ultras by the time you're 50. So where are you with that? And I'm sure 2020 put a put a wall up, put a wall up for you, because I'm sure you had some good plans yeah. for oh, what was going to be achieved. Yes. Yeah. So where are you oh, with yes. that? So uh, I'm at 34 ultras. Um, number 35 is coming up in a couple weeks. Um, my first ultra was called the frozen ass 50 and it, uh, took place down in Calgary and I loved it so much that I've gone back every year, except for one year when I was pregnant with number five. And there was another year I missed it because I, uh, had sprained my ankle really badly. And so this will be number 10 of the frozen ass fifties that I've done. And, um, <laughs> yeah, you never know. The, the worst it's been is, I think, minus 30. Again, BJ, you'll have to, like, figure out how much that is <laughs> Fahrenheit. <laughs> I'll be the temperature cold, guy here. cold, really cold. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so in a couple weeks, another frozen ass 50, and that'll be number 35. So, and you've got how many years? 15 until- to go. I'm 46 years old. Okay. So about four every year now. Um, Okay. I actually, last year, uh, I did, I think I did eight. I did eight ultras, um, surprisingly, because, yeah, um, I was registered. I, I, I was doing about, I think, five or six a year to keep on track. And... So I register for races that are local just to keep um, the cost down and to stay close to home so that it doesn't just, you know, I'm not away from my family for too long. Because the funny thing is, is I can't wait to get away from them sometimes, my kids mostly. But then when I'm away, I'm like, oh, I miss them so much. <laughs> I, totally, so I totally get that. So, uh, it's, it's not and crazy. I, and I, every time I finish a race, I can't wait to see them and be with them. Um, like I was saying to you guys before the interview, my house is full of techie people. My husband and my kids are all gamers, and I'm not. And so... They've ended up doing gaming weekends on the weekends that I go on these ultra running adventures. Um, And so everybody kind of gets to do their thing. 
it kind of makes me cringe a little bit, but I'm, I, yeah, it's, I, I just keep hoping one day my kids will figure it out and uh, join me on the trails. Yeah, <laughs> so you've got this passion that your family does not share. And you know <laughs> that it's like, it's community, it's health, it's moving the body, it's all Being of these outdoors. things. Yeah. So how do you just allow them, this is so good, we, t- we talk about this a lot, when our, our coach Liz is so committed to staying in her own lane. She is a mother and she's a runner and she's always like, I'm staying in my lane, I'm staying in my lane. So how do you <laughs> Stay in your lane and let them stay in their lane and find their way because they're not yeah. you. They're not you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of times I think back to when I was young and I think I hated running too. And the, even when I tell them that, they're still surprised um, because they see how much I love it. Right. And then I also think too, a lot of times if, if I were to, um, if I would replace the word gaming and running you know like I cringe at the thought of gaming or staying inside as much as they do but they cringe when they think of running so it's really just just being respectful and um you know I I want them to come to it naturally just like you were saying you know they'll they'll find their thing I don't I don't want them running you know like well I would love it if they're running but they need to find their things right so there's other things that they I mean their drawing is amazing um they're they're just good little people too and that's way more important for me than them being little mini me's right there's other things that I've taught them well my husband too we can't forget him right right, right, right. <laughs> if Phil wasn't in the picture there'd be nothing <laughs> no and and they support me you know like um, when I, I, when I come home, I love like decompressing by cooking. Um, with that farming background, I really love getting into the kitchen and using like basics, um, and cooking from scratch. And so that'll be something. And then, you know, they kind of force me to sit down and relax, put my feet up watch some shows like some people have been learning new languages during covid i've been watching tv (laughs) yeah so so you've got okay so the the goal of the 50 ultras and then you're also a race director of survivor fest so Mm -hmm. let's dive into that part of your story because that's really I mean, oh man, it just pulls everything together. It your does. passion, your purpose, your pain, right? Your yeah. your life beyond pain and, and also being in service of, of others uh, through the funds that you raise and also just providing a race for people, which I want to say... It looks like you're having a virtual race this year as well as planning an in-person, which is super cool. So if anybody listens to this, they can totally support you and what you're doing. So let's dive yes, into I would love that. let's dive yes. into that story wherever you yes. want to begin. So um Yeah, so I was listening to another podcast and I heard about this gentleman who had ran 250 marathons in a year his name is martin parnell lives down in calgary alberta and he was fundraising for kids sport this was about four years ago and um it was just after i had been at a workshop at the school for the parents the school had invited the parents to come for an information night to let us know that our local sexual assault center was coming into the schools to do information sessions with the kids. And so um, from grades one to three, they talk about saying no, um, boundaries, a little bit about consent. And then they go in from grades four to six. And again, that word layer, they layer on top of what they taught the kids in grades one to three and they start talking about uh, being a good friend bullying um, healthy relationships 
then they go into the junior high schools and they layer on top of that information and start talking about social media um, and other things that are age appropriate go into high school and again they're talking about you know another layer on top of that and that's probably a little bit more about relationships and abuse and uh, I just remember sitting there thinking um, so as a child I had been sexually molested and I remember thinking that wouldn't have happened to me you know if if I had had the information and the tools um, it, it might have looked different for me and so after hearing the story of Martin Parnell I thought boy, how could I give back to my community somehow? And so I, I just came up with this number, 50 ultras before I was 50. I think I had done about 12 ultras at that point. And um, my kids were a little bit older. And I thought, yeah, I could I could do more, more training and be a little more consistent. And so um, I, I started doing these ultras, sharing my story. Uh, and then... Uh, a friend of mine came to me when my little guy was just about two, maybe just one. And he had this idea of doing a timed running event in our community to raise funds for the sexual assault center. He was a survivor as well. And I was like, you know, I, I don't know anything about these 24 hour timed running events. Um, I'm, I'm tapped out. I, I, I have five kids trying to get my own business going. Uh, I can help you out, but I can't be too heavily involved. And didn't really think about it or talk about it again. And then about three years after that, I was at a, a running uh, talk and a friend of mine was there and she had done a few timed running events down in the States. And she was, a run she was also a race director of a local event here. And I reached out to her and I just said, hey, Lisa, what, what do you think about having a timed running event in Alberta? And she was like, I'd love it. That's an awesome idea. And um, so I, I, we don't have very many timed running events here in Canada. It's uh, something that's way more popular down in the States. I think it has to do with the weather. <laughs> um, well, you know, BJ wouldn't be there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no timed running events for sure <laughs> between September to May <laughs> here in Canada. <laughs> Maybe April. Anyways, um, so we, I uh, reached out to my friend. He Now he was involved like over his head. He said, but this other friend of mine would still be interested in helping out. So we went around looking at tracks or not even at tracks. We were, we looked at three different venues in our community. And the track, actually, the both of them were all over this track. And I was like, really? People are going to run around that for 6, 12, 24 hours? Like, like I said, I still had no idea what these timed running events were. All I could think of was... Yeah, I'll race direct that because there's no way I would want to do that. <laughs> um, I love the trail because uh, it takes me back home to the farm. Every every run I do, I hit a little bit of trail, and I think of home and the fields, and it just takes me home. And again, when I'm out doing these ultra races, it's it's out in the mountains, and 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 I've also learned through this run streak how like part of the you asked about running outside every day and I feel um a sort of meditation you know when I'm out there and I, uh, I think some people describe it as moving meditation um but I just feel this connectedness with the outdoors mother earth um my community and so anyways the exact opposite of what a track would represent to me. And so we decided, okay, the track it is. And um, so then as I was organizing this event and uh, learning a little bit more about timed running events, 
I realized what a special kind of event this is. And I realized also why my friend Lisa was so passionate about these timed running events, because it ends up being such a social event. Because whereas in in an ultra race, there's not much socializing going on unless you come into an aid station or you're running with someone else. But there could be some um, ultra events where you you don't run with anyone for like four or five kilometers, right? You're just by yourself. And I actually gain a ton of energy when I come into those aid stations. And, and then I end up looking forward to those aid stations, right? I'm, and you kind of count down the mileage. So... Uh, with these timed running events, it's amazing to see the socializing that happens because you've got um, really fast people going for age records, um, wanting to qualify for, in our case, the Canadian national 24-hour team. And you've got people that are generally back in the back of the pack. And so they're having an opportunity to see these front p- um, people at the that are generally at the front of the pack that they would typically never ever see at a at a race, right? Um, and so it's really a great opportunity to see the bonding that happens because the they they all are suffering at some point in the race. They all start suffering, and um, so it was really cool to see. I think it was about ninety percent of the athletes that came to our first annual event have already signed up and are coming to the, like they were signed up for 2020 uh, until COVID hit and then we had to cancel. So they're all deferred and hopefully we're keeping our fingers crossed that we can um, hold the event for this year. And then you've also decided to do virtual, correct? Yeah. And so I was not a huge fan of virtual running or racing. (laughs) I had done one virtual uh, race before COVID hit and it was the um, run 2015 miles. I've still got the medal, but um, that was the only virtual event I had ever done. But uh, what changed my mind was I participated in the Quarantine Backyard Ultra put on by another friend of mine, Dave Proctor, and that changed my whole mindset. I saw one, um, I have never been a fan of out and back courses or loops, and that event changed my whole mind game when it came to loops. And I realized it ends up being kind of a game where you're like, oh, I'm at this point in at the 5k mark so if i can just keep getting to that that 5k mark at this time i'll be right on track and so um uh that was one of my ultras i think that was number 28 of ultras that i did um and yeah it was a fun event and i just was like couldn't believe how many people uh registered and were online and uh, yeah, and so then after that event, um, it started to make me realize what can 2020 look like for me? Because before that event, I was probably as mad and upset, <laughs> discouraged. What do I do with the rest of my race season? <laughs> Just like all the other athletes, right? And mm-hmm. you kind of feel selfish <laughs> um, feeling that way when you see everything happening, right? Like people are losing jobs, people are dying, people are sick. And you're thinking, and I remember thinking, oh my God, Laura, really, you know, your race, your your mission, like, come on, right? But um, it, it was something, the, uh, the run streak ended up being that little piece that I could control in, in my own world. And so, I would get out early in the mornings and come home and I'd be like, okay, kids, we got this day. We can do this. We can do online learning. (laughs) 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 We can live together in 1,800 square feet. (laughs) And it's just 2020 just asked us to drop, 
you know, more of our hard lines and get above our mental preferences. This is what keeps oh, us in yeah. suffering is our men- I like this. I don't like this. I like this. I don't like this. And I'm as guilty as anybody. And when I notice that I'm suffering, I'm like, oh, it's all because I'm not willing to get above this mental preference that I had, which really just became a preference because of a thought that I practiced. And then it became a belief of who I am. You know, it's just like, come on, let's get under the layers, girlfriend. Like there's yeah. nothing here. What? You're, you're the one that's keeping your out, yourself out of your own freedom yeah what is the world trying to tell me (laughs) today (laughs) right Right? slow down so how does the how do you tie in you know the saffron center to when does that come together because the whole you know the name of the event is survivor fest and um you know it's a event that on your website says it celebrates which i love it celebrates strength and sacrifice and survival and so when does this now timed event you start pulling in your past and your own survivorship into, you know, this experience of service, not only to the competitors, Mm -hmm. but to the Saffron Center and the people that they, um, that they support and Mm -hmm. also getting out information that you wish you had when you were little. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, it all started with that 50 ultras before I'm 50 mission, right? Um, Saffron Center was the um, sexual assault center that does the educational programs at the school. And so it just seemed a win-win. And then as I was running, I was thinking, what's going to happen after I'm 50? And so that's kind of where this timed running event came into place because I thought, If I got this um, running event established and happening, it would be the the vehicle that would raise awareness and funds for Saffron Center. Um, I think, you know, again, I didn't think of the virtual event until uh, I I was interviewed for another podcast. I think it was in September of last year. And I think I made a comment to them about, oh, it'd be great if Survivor Fest caught on. And, you know, we had little Survivor Fest in every single community. And then I, as, you know, probably on a run, because that's where I get all these great ideas. um, I thought, oh, you know, if we make this into a virtual event, we could actually make this happen. We could actually make these little Survivor Fest events happen. And um, so as I'm, um, you know, again, after my first event, suddenly my uh, my views of track running are completely different. While I was doing the quarantine backyard, I also decided, or no, it was a run after that. I had decided I'm going to hold my own little 24-hour running event at my track, like my own little Survivor Fest. And so um, May is Sexual Violence Awareness Month here in Alberta. And so last May, that's what I did. I held my own Survivor Fest and ran 24 hours around the track. Um, and, And then I just, yeah, it just... On another run, I thought, oh, you know, I should check out all the local tracks around Edmonton. And uh, then I realized there's 400 meter tracks behind every high school everywhere. And then, uh, you know, so Survivor Fest events could be happening in every single community. And so it just... Again, you go out, I go on these runs, <laughs> no music, sometimes with podcasts, sometimes just me and the, you know, Mother Earth and these ideas come to me. It's can be scary for my family sometimes. Oh yeah. no, she's back from a run. What idea does she have now, right? But well, well, you're living off the front. What I see is you're living off the front. And for, for those that don't, um, that that can't jump on board right away, right? Because they have that hesitation and, and it comes down to a little bit of fear. You know, we see it ourselves leading off the front. It can be scary. I've never heard that expression before, living we, off the front. Mm, yeah, that's what you're doing. So when you go off on these oh. runs and you come up with these ideas and then you come back to your family and they're like, wait a minute, <laughs> wait, what's <laughs> happening? Because because you're, 
your purpose is to is to keep things moving forward. You talked about what's going on in the environment of our world right now. Yeah, that's happening, but it's our right and responsibility to keep what we're doing moving forward so that we're not uh, all giving in to the, 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 what's happening. So we, we can be stale and we can just ruminate in this arena or we can lead off the front. We can be a leader. So you're most certainly a leader and I see yourself as a seeker because you're seeking, um, you're seeking a little bit more depth behind um, the hesitation and the, um, the beliefs I just talked about that you have. And time and time again, you're seeing this and you're just like flipping it over. And, and I see so much amazingness in, in your ability to shift perspective, the track, um, uh, virtual. Like I'm so with you on, on many of these things. And it's a, it's a mindset shift. You, you have the ability to see that you're stopping yourself and you can see that and you, it's in your awareness, but you're like, well, there's got to be a little bit something more. So there's something inside of you that says there's more. So you're seeking something. So that's why you got to keep doing what you're doing. You need to be, oh, I love it. you need Thank to be you. on the front always. See, this is why I love listening to you guys. <laughs> oh, well, now that we've got your heart open and you're laughing, I'll ask you an, um, a juicy, deep, loving question, which is where have you made peace? with your past? Because um, we, we touched upon your experience with sexual abuse. I'm assuming it was when you were younger. Um, and where have you made peace with that? Or, or um, if you want to share anything, you know, more on that story. Again, it's, uh, it goes back to layers. Um, I, went, I went to college for social work. And so the first year they had us looking at ourselves Basically, if we can't help others, um, if, if we don't look inside at ourselves and what we're bringing, we can't help others, right? So that was the beginning of a lot of uh, searching, introspectiveness, um, uh, and work. And so slowly, but slowly, uh, the journeys happened. And I think... Um, the sharing of, of my story has has been really uh, a game changer as well because I've discovered that as I share my story, initially, you know, it was just to a couple of close friends. Um, it, it was always a su- support, you know, and I was never told that um, they didn't believe me or that they thought I was lying. Um, and then I think when I made the decision to cha- to charge my assailant, uh, that again was another big life changer. Unfortunately, my, my mom has never been a huge support for my life. Um, it was uh, a boyfriend that she was dating, so I think there was a lot of guilt associated with it. Um, but when I decided to charge my assailant, then uh, I started to tell other family members because I knew it was going to come out in the open. And my father's side of the family was nothing but open and supportive, and 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 questioned, uh, you know, why didn't you tell us why? And and part of that was me protecting my mom, and I understood that. And you know, it and it, it's a it's a really hard hard journey but uh i've always felt that and my dad was a huge uh teacher of being honest and authentic and it's okay to make mistakes nobody's perfect um and so yeah i i I just kept you know uh, little bits by little bits exploring that side of me and why i am the way i am and why uh, it didn't have to, I didn't have to remain a victim. It's why, um, the hashtag beyond me too is so powerful for me because, um, there is something, um, after that, you know, we don't have to, um, remain stuck or, or blame ourselves or feel the shame and the guilt that come with what has happened. Um, 
it's uh, and unfortunately it's happened to too many. Um, I realized recently that my mom was also a victim, and so uh, over over the Christmas holidays I came to this realization, and so I also you know realized that I'm not just healing for myself, but I'm healing for her as well. And so, um, but it's it's been very very powerful. Um, sharing my story and and hearing from others um and i actually am i i've been surprised at how uh, much more strength and power i feel when people come forward to share their stories as well because um like i was telling you guys before our interview uh, a local newspaper did a, a story on me and so i showed up at, at yoga and uh one of my yoga friends has said, oh, can I hug a celebrity? And this lady's like, a celebrity, huh? Woo, what? And I kind of chuckled and this lady had never spoken to me at yoga before. Um, and then suddenly she's telling me her story. And I still to this day don't even know her name, but that could have been the first time that she ever said anything. And I, I found um, the more I shared my story, the more um, there was there was like growth that happened from it, right? Yeah. And uh, and it, it's a hard subject to talk about. I realize that. And so um, I've even had friends who have come up to me and said, "Oh, Lori, you know, you're so powerful. Let me know if there's anything that I can do." And I said, "You know what? You can do. Share my story. Don't like. It's not." Um, because I want you to, to, to talk about me, but if you share my story, it could be like an icebreaker, you know, and because you don't know if that person in that room that hears that story could be like, oh my God, like I, I've read about it in a newspaper or in a magazine, but I've never, and then all of a sudden it becomes an opportunity where that person could engage and and just reveal a little bit about their story. And that could be the start of their journey as well, right? So that's another reason why I really love this event is because it, it brings the topic into the forefront, not in a negative way, not in a, oh, someone else has gotten charged. Oh, you know, it's still, um, yeah, it's not it's not negative. It's a, it's a positive that, we we can move beyond what's happening in our communities, right? We yeah, can, yeah, absolutely. So. How long um, to give the audience a little bit of context? How long did you carry this, um, for the lack of a better word, like secret or burden? So, how old were you when the abuse was taking place, and when did you begin to crack open and? realize that, that was the very thing um, yeah. to be able to grow and and enhance a feeling of safety in your life. Yeah. So it was probably 10 years. It was 10 years. Um, I was eight, 10, between the ages of eight to 10. And there were like, looking back, there were a few time, times when I, I was reaching out, um, calling out for help, they call it, got drunk at school, um, blacked out, told the teacher, probably, that teacher should have sent me to a counselor, but didn't happen. Um, you know, other little things like that. And again, that's why this topic is so important to talk about too. Just in realizing, um, like if you're a parent, what what are those signs that something may have happened that they're not wanting to talk about or because there's a lot of shame involved with and, and self-blame of what did I do? What did I say that caused this to happen to me, right? And so, um, and, and again, it's that, you know, if someone feels that opportunity to just share just a little bit that can suddenly break open that surface of, of what has been um, hiding, for so long 
So what would you say to somebody being on the other side of this now opening, meaning you're not carrying the burden anymore? What would you say to somebody who is, whether it's a child of, you know, a grown adult about um, that they don't feel like they can speak out? Being on the other side of speaking out, what what is the message you would yeah. like people to hear? Um, well, take a deep breath and just listen. Take Take that breath. Slow down. If... If 2020 has taught us anything, it's we've got time, right? Just slow, slow it down. Um, you might hear stuff that's going to be really hard to hear. Um, the um, saying "I believe you," uh, encouraging them, uh, seek out supports for them. There's tons of resources out there for sexual assault, sexual violence. Um, where they can seek more um, more support. Uh, there's group therapy, there's individual counseling, um, but that initial um, listening and, and giving them that space and time to share whatever it is that they need to share. Um, and, don't, and don't be afraid to ask questions about, you know, the person that may have assaulted them. Um, because it, it just shows that you're interested and that you believe them. And what yeah. does it mean to you to like have all of this, gosh, I guess um, like this whole trajectory of your life coming to this point now where you've got this massive goal, you've got this crazy run streak, you've got this amazing, you know, mind bender of a 24 hour race. Like how does that feel to sit where you are now? Does it feel powerful? Oh. It's amazing. I never ever would have imagined. Um, and you know, my dad. My dad's not with me any longer, but I know how proud. And my grandparents. Again, that's why I think about them every every morning on my runs through the trails, and um, because I know how proud they would be. Um, I think of you know everything they they taught me on the farm about you know resilience and being strong and problem solving. I think is is the biggest thing that I that I've learned and as a survivor as well you know it, it's so tied together um, the strength and the resiliency that I've learned through all of this um, and so I, I I think about you know the farming community that I grew up on and, and being a survivor every single time I go out on a run it's all tied in together you know um, and, and we're so capable. Like I, I just say to people all the time, if I can do this, you can do this. <laughs> right? Yeah. No excuses. No excuses. <laughs> no excuses. Yeah. But, it, yeah. but it's all little bits. It's all little bits, you know. Um, and I'll be honest, my house isn't perfect. Um, I've got, you know, my kids are getting older. And so it's our, our house is in a way nicer state than it used to be. But, you know, phew, We've got, like, now you can see in the background my dog and, yeah, <laughs> two dogs, two cats. We are not lonely, but, yeah, it's... Yeah, it's, it don't sweat the um, the small stuff, right? Like, no, all, all of that no. will all just, it'll all yeah. work, it's all work its way out. So I think, yes. I think what we can take away from this is that um, we don't have to take the huge, we don't have to have the big chunk. We don't have to get the 50 races in 50 days in... in you know, 50 tries, like we can, we can do it um, a little bit over time and we can have that goal and we can see it and keep, keep looking at it. Um, But the only way to get to that point is if we come back to this moment of this breath, this, this conversation we're having, this, uh, this frustrating moment we're in and and embrace it all because every, that's the only thing that exists when you're living life to its fullest, right? It's this very essence. It's minute pinpoint time. Um, Jess references it all the time to me. It's like a tiny, tiny pinpoint um, yeah. that we're dealing with. But but you stack those up over and over and yeah. over, and you exercise that muscle. Yeah, and and yoga has definitely um, 
given me a lot of that. Yoga was very similar to running um, in that I hated it at first. <laughs> um, me too. I hated it. Yeah, me too. I wanted I to like hated it. beat the crap out of the teacher the first. I mean, I had like most people are like, oh, I had such an amazing like yoga, and I was like, I want like all I saw was rage and anger. No, no. <laughs> and uh, even to this day, uh, <laughs> like I love. Um, yeah, I I hate it. I won a free year of yoga at a at a yoga studio, and so I said, okay, I am gonna go take full advantage of this. It was a really really nice, uh, well renowned yoga studio here in Edmonton, and so I was like, I'm taking full advantage of this, and I wait. I went, and I still hated it, and then I. Uh, was at our community rec center, just finished running or, or doing something. Maybe it was after a swim. And I met a girlfriend of mine. She was going through a tough time. And uh, she said she was going into this yoga class. And I felt like she, she needed just that extra support. And so as much as I hated yoga, I was like, sure, I'll come with you. And I went in, and I don't know if it's because my expectations were so low, because, oh, it's just a community rec center. It's not a, a, a really nice yoga studio. I went in, and it was, it changed my whole view of yoga. I had such a great time that I continued to sign up every Tuesday and Thursday. And, uh, and it was there that um, I learned the instructor was very much about your practice, your mat, and I really embraced it from then on. And, you know, it's funny, I've had, um, I had a girlfriend who went to a running uh, camp with Rob Carr. I don't know if you guys mm -hmm. know who he mm -hmm. is, but she went to a running camp and brought back this little rope and um, uh, it was a pamphlet that showed all these moves that you could do with a rope. And I kind of chuckled and I said, these are all yoga moves. And she was like, no, it's not. That's not yoga. And I was like, it's yoga. Yeah, I, I, I see that all the time. I love it. I love it. Um, but now I, um, the yin yoga is where I really, um, I feel like it really balances me. And I was blown away when someone told me that it's actually the harder, um, that a lot of people find it the more difficult uh, type of yoga just because there's so much quietness and stillness and with your mind and it kind of was like really wow because I love shavasana in fact sometimes I snore during yeah. shavasana <laughs> more quiet yes. time we need yeah. more quiet time um awesome Th thank you so much Laura this has been such a beautiful conversation I appreciate your honesty your generosity to share and all that you're doing to be in service of others and I think the greatest message that um I wasn't you know, didn't, didn't know what I was going to receive today. It's just how you're this living example of like noticing what you're resisting and doing it anyway, because what you, you might just find love and your life's purpose on the other side of that. Uh, we will put links in the show notes to Survivor Fest and your Instagram page Aww. and um, the po other podcast you were on and the link to um, that Canadian Running mm -hmm. Magazine article that just came out. We'll put links to all that stuff in there. And so um, yeah, thank you so much. It's been lovely Aww. to connect with you. Thank you. Yeah. And you know, I love what you guys are doing. I wish that I could do more, but I'm so limited. <laughs> I, I, I know you. it's an excuse, but I, uh, and I love how, um, part of the reason I got out of triathlon too was that competitiveness that was amongst the athletes. So I love like listening to like Paula come on and, um, and then you had some other ultra runners that were on recently. And I just, I love that, um, you're giving some grounded, I don't know what the word is, but some grounding to those triathletes and, and just, oh, I just love the conversation. So I, I was, uh, yeah, thank you. I love and that. We're so grounding the triathletes. Oh my God, they need to be grounded <laughs> yes. too. And we speak from experience. I speak from experience. Oh my God. Awesome. Thank you so much. It's been yeah, lovely. 
Thank you.